Welcome to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Thanks for allowing us to share this time with you. Honestly, it's our favorite time of the day where we get to hang out together and talk about how the truth of God's Word can make a huge difference in your life. And that's what we're going to hear from Richard in a way that only he can do with words of hope, insight, and humor. You may be stuck in traffic or stuck in life. Either way, today's message is going to help get you on the right track as you learn how much God loves you right where you are. So let's get right into today's talk. Here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Tour of Duty. And I'd like you to turn to John chapter 1. I'm hammering something out, so some of this may still be on an anvil, but I want to hammer it out loud and see if we can get to this. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, book of John, chapter 1, verse 1. And here's what it says. In the beginning was the Word. So it's kind of a New Testament, Genesis 1 of sorts, same phraseology, in the beginning was the Word. And the word logos here in the Greek is the word and is a synonym here for Jesus. So when you see the word Word capitalized here, that's what it's talking about, that's who it's talking about. In the beginning was the Word. In other words, Jesus was in the beginning and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. So you don't see anything that was not made by Jesus. And I'm still rolling this number. I haven't figured out how to, I'll never get my head around it. A hundred billion trillion stars, and this word, boom, it exists. You're dealing with a God who is the word and can speak a word and literally creation come into existence. This is not a powerful God, it is the powerful God. It is the God. In him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it or it couldn't overwhelm it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, in other words, John was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. But listen to this, verse 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but God. In other words, not a couple decides we're going to have a baby, not a fleshly child, but a God-born person, but of God. And the Word became flesh. In other words, Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So before I forget this, let me just try to say it out loud, and then we'll try to unpack it. The disadvantage in some ways that we have is that we were not in heaven. We have never seen the glory of God, the glory of heaven. And Jesus has been from the beginning. He made everything you see. So he is God. He comes to earth having seen and knowing who he is. And we'll get into his glory there and his glory here. If he had had the same manifestation of his glory while he was here, no one could have taken it. It's not possible. You will need a new body, an eternal body, in order to just be able to absorb the glory of God and even be in his presence. 
So the advantage that Jesus has is that he has seen the Father. He made heaven. He's been in heaven. And for him, it is not by faith. It is by sight. And having seen all of that, been all of that, you know, for before, and we'll see kind of how long that is, for him to see all that and then come in here on a tour of duty of sorts and say, okay, there's a job that has to be done. I'm going in. For him, when he gets here, is born of a virgin, grows up, looks around, he made everything he saw, and he knows he's not stuck here. He came to do a job. My dilemma is, I have not seen heaven. I just read little glimpses of what it'll be. I have not seen the glory of God with my eyes in that way. And so I am born and I begin to try to find my way and then God comes along and picks me. Now I'm using words that I don't understand, but I have to use them and I'll read you verses to back it up. The more I think about this, the more it messes me up because I'm no better than anybody else. And if God does pick people, which he somehow does, and somehow Jesus came in here and lived and died and was buried and raised from the dead to make it possible for me not just to make heaven, but to have a life here, it's just crazy stuff. Because we live in a world that is lost. We live in a world where people kill on behalf of a false god and pray to little carved statues and think that, Something that can't hear, something that can't speak is going to answer their prayers. And yet somehow he's revealed himself to me, to us. And though I have not seen him, I have heard his voice inside. I know when he speaks. When you're a sheep and you have a shepherd and your shepherd speaks, you know that voice. And so I don't have much to operate on, though it seems to be a lot. I'm probably a little bit jealous of Jesus sometimes because it's easier, if you can imagine this, if we had all started in heaven. We see heaven. We have eternal life. It's all done. And then he, you know, however he communicates up there, hey, we're having a meeting. You guys show up. And the Father says, okay, I need to send you guys on a little tour of duty. And here's what it is. You know the earth. You know how jacked up it is. This is heaven. That's a nightmare. But is anybody willing to go in there and help reach those people? It's hard to leave heaven. But I didn't have the luxury of that conversation. So what I've been trying to process personally is if I had seen heaven and I knew what, even if I went in and even if I went in and physically died, I get to go back to, it might be a little easier but I'm stuck processing all of that by faith because I can't show you heaven. I can show you the kingdom of heaven a little bit by just watching his people, but I'm starting to get little flashes and hoping my faith gives me even more perspective and more sight, kind of blind, physical blind, but spiritual sight where I go, I am not stuck here. This is a tour of duty of sorts and I will get home one day. But it's getting home to a home I never left. I'll see for the first time, but in Jesus' case, he left and got to go back home. Go to 1 Peter chapter 1. Okay, now I'm going to start inserting this word, and there are theological perspectives on something called election, this thing of being chosen. And I honestly encourage you not to go chasing this too hard. The easiest thing to do sometimes 
is just to say, it's in there, I see it. You are not going to be able to explain everything. You're dealing with a holy God. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. So at some point, you can study it, you can look at it, you can even say, I don't get it, but then you have to keep moving. And people say, well, if some people are chosen and other people aren't, then why would we witness to anybody? Let me tell you where I'm on that. I don't know who's picked. I don't have infrared glasses that I put on and go, oh, those people aren't going to make it. Let's just talk to these four. So when the Holy Spirit prompts me to share the gospel with somebody, I share the gospel. And I encourage you to do that. In season and out, convenient, not convenient, you are on a mission if you're a Christian. And hopefully when we're done, you'll see how much of that is true. First Peter chapter 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God. So it's inserted here. These Christians are chosen. Go on down to verse 17. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. In other words, you're just going to be here for a little while. So conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. So this decision for Jesus to come after us was made before the world, the foundation of the world, before anything was ever established. It's almost like a picture of God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit going, okay, we're going to create this world. We're going to create Adam and Eve. They're going to screw up. When they screw up, they're going to need a blood sacrifice. The whole Old Testament animals killed trying to satisfy that. Then at a certain period in history, Jesus comes in, his tour of duty born of a virgin, lives that sinless life, dies on the cross, buried, raised from the dead, and fixes what man choosing sin messed up and provides us the power not just to overcome death by being raised from the dead and being with him forever, but giving us the power to live. My problem today, as far as I know, is not dying. My problem today is living. And if you don't die today, you got a challenge because you got a few more days to live. But it is not just about living for yourself. It's not about you. What I'm trying to get in my head more and in our heads more is that you literally, even though you've never been to heaven, you don't know God physically, personally, in person so much. But without your knowing it, you got picked before you were even born. He knew you were coming. Before the foundation of the world, he knew you were coming. Go to Revelation 13, and then we're going to back up and go back to Hebrews. So Revelation chapter 13, even at the end of the story that's revealed in Scripture, this is inserted here. Revelation 13, 8. And all who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life, of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world now let me go back for the sake of you who say, well, thank God, I hope I'm not one of those chosen people and I can live in hell forever because I would rather be in hell than with you people and your God. Really? He came after you too, if that's how you feel. This verse says, all who dwell on the earth will worship him. So is he talking about Christians? No. Whose names have not been written in the book of life 
of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So here's my deal. Whether you even like it or not, you will worship this Jesus. So I highly recommend taking a knee this side before you have to take one on that side. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father, period. All right, go to Hebrews chapter 11. I'm gonna say something that's probably gonna sound pretty obvious. Living by faith is pretty tough. But the more you exercise your faith and apply faith to your life, you'd be amazed at how much easier it is to live by faith if you choose to live by faith. And in Hebrews 11, verse 6, look at what it says. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Who's it talking about? About God. So if you have any desire whatsoever to please God, you will never please God without faith. Not possible. So you have to get to the place where you say, okay, God, I desire to please you. Then he says, believe, trust me, do what I say, even though you can't see. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. And why is it impossible? For he who comes to God must first believe that he is, that's not the only thing, but you gotta start, I believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I believe with all the heart I got to believe with right now that God will honor my faith, believing in him, and I believe that he will reward me for diligently seeking him. He's already done it on this side. And according to this book, it'll be on the other side too. You say, well, dude, you can't see any of that. We got problems down here. The less you focus on here, you'd be amazed on how much clear that becomes. Read about heaven in the scriptures. Read about hope in the scriptures. Look at what you've got. He didn't just hand you some ticket and say, go hide in a hole somewhere until I come back. He says, I'll send the Holy Spirit. He sends the Holy Spirit. You have power. That power is ignited inside you physically, literally. Then he says, I'll give you at least one gift. If not more, you have spiritual gifts. Then he says, now I've got armor for you to put on so you can protect yourself. And more than protect yourself, I'll give you a sword to swing. The word of God. So it is a battlefield. It is a loving field. It is a joy-filled field. It's a spirit, the fruit of the spirit. So you have the happiest warriors on the planet knowing that even if they die physically serving him here, is that all you got? You're gonna kill me? If for me to live is Christ and to die is gain, you can't stop me. All right? So here's where we're kind of moving on these passages. As you kind of move, you're born, tough stuff happens, life, you're on earth. This is not heaven, <laughs> this is earth. It may not be hell, some people think this is hell. You know, if they wanna find out what real hell is, keep not believing, this is not hell. It feels like hell, it hurts like hell, it has a lot of hell tendencies, but it ain't hell. So you wake up and go, what the heck? I got all this stuff going on. I got problems, I got pressures. It's literally all hell breaking loose on you. And then one day somewhere in the melee, somewhere in the mess, somewhere in the pain, someone says, hey, God loves you. 
Jesus died for you, buried, raised from the dead, and something goes off in your heart and you go, holy cow, I've been looking at my whole life. And then God begins to reveal to you, look, you haven't seen heaven, you haven't seen me, but I knew you were coming before the foundation of the world and it's me and I got a plan and a purpose. I'm not gonna just extract you the millisecond you believe because I'm gonna try to work some things out in you and you're gonna be my ambassador, you're gonna be my emissary, you got a tour of duty down here, so let's get busy. So all of a sudden you realize that God knew you, knows you, chose you, has a plan and a purpose, and you get in there and do your job. Being a citizen of heaven, a Christian is one thing. Making him Lord, that's enlisting. Active duty, what's my job? Now here's kind of, I'm still trying to get there, but here's what I'm after. If one day you wake up No matter how old you are, how close to the finish line you are, you say, God, I get it. You picked me not just to be in heaven, but to serve you here. Please show me where my target is, what my focus should be. What do you have for me to be? And out of that, what do you have for me to do? And then it's not a tour of duty. It's a tour of privilege. I serve the king. I'm not seeing being a martyr as a cool thing, but if you take a believer who understand their Jesus died for them, and they reach a moment and realize, I'm about to be killed in Jesus' name. I don't know what happens to you. I read stories about martyrs through history, being burned, all kind of crazy stuff, and hymns coming out of the flames. Gonna sing on fire into the presence of the king because they get it. You say, well, you know, I got my ticket. I believe I'm just gonna coast in. Now, I'm not saying you're not gonna make it, But what kind of gets me stirred up is when I die or Jesus comes back and my little exit interview, entrance interview takes place, all of a sudden it's going to get really real and giving an account for the deeds done in the flesh and whether I did what he put me here and left me here to do that he had decided before the foundation of the world had a plan for me, him, obedience, trust, faith, and I missed it. He said, well, you shouldn't be afraid. I'm a little afraid, I gotta tell you. I'm not afraid I'm gonna make heaven or not. You won't wanna disappoint him, I can tell you that. When you see those eyes, when you see those hands, when you see those feet, you'll wish you had listened a little closer, trusted a little more. All right, Ephesians 1, let me just read you a few out of this. Ephesians 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints who are at Ephesus, and faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from our God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So every spiritual blessing that is available to Jesus is available to us. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, And for what purpose? That we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption, decided that he would adopt us before anything ever happened, predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. 
Go down a few verses to verse 15. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Now, this you cannot get by yourself. The prayer here is, and I think you should pray it for your kids, anyone you're trying to help spiritually, that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened, that they would know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. Everything you need to live the way he intended, he's given you. He is literally inside you. You have access to heaven, to the throne of God, to God himself. You pray in Jesus' name, things have to happen. Go to Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. There are things that are in place before time, before the foundation of the world. It's a done deal. You're dealing with a God who picked you before Adam and Eve were even made who picked you before the universe was created, before nothing was made so that something could be made from nothing. You have no idea how valuable we are to God because the only way he can get us adopted into his family is for his own son to die in our place and be buried and raised from the dead. So you may not feel important, you are crazy important. You have value, you have eternal value, you have temporal value here. He has chosen you. You say, well, I don't wanna be chosen. It's too late. It's a fact. So go with it. You're screwing up the only life you're ever gonna get. Go to Ephesians chapter two. I know I'm jumping around more than normal. Ephesians chapter two. Ephesians chapter two, verse one. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others." But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, so you can only get saved by faith. You want to please God, there's no way to please him but faith. So by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So you say, well, where am I going to get faith? Even the faith to believe what he wants you to believe is a gift from God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. And then the verse I'm after is verse 10. Listen to this. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
So he has saved you. You're a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things are new. You are equipped. You have everything you need to be a soldier on the battlefield. The power, the communication, the prayer. You have everything you need. The question is, will you fight? Will you serve? Will you trust? Will you do your tour of duty and see what God does through your life? Are you just going to sit on your spiritual butt till Jesus comes? Well, I'm just so grateful to have Jesus in heaven. Okay, I get that, but I'm pushing you past that because this is what the book says. Richard will be back in a moment to wrap up today's talk. But first, I want to share a couple of thoughts with you. Let's be honest. Real life isn't about living some highlight reel for others to see. Most people have deep hurts, questions, and struggles. Well, we get it, and we want to help you in any way we can. So let's keep this conversation going. You can give us a call anytime at 855-6-RICHARD or connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. You can even put in your prayer request right there on the prayer wall. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD or online at richardellistalks.com. And now let's get back to Richard with a final word on today's show. He has prepared you to do something. He has placed you here. I'm telling you for a fact, I was not born a thousand years ago, even 200 years ago, and I wasn't born 200 years from now. God put me on the planet right now for a reason, right now. I am confident of that. And I have to stay after whatever he's put before me to do and chase that and be faithful to that so that I can hear, well done, good and faithful servant, and it be true. So you say, well, I got all this other stuff going on. Then get some of that other stuff to stop going on. You say, well, it's stuff that won't go away. Then keep marching anyway. I'd like to hit the finish line fighting with people who the gates of hell cannot prevail against. You say, well, Richard, I got to go to work, dude. You don't get it. You know what? Maybe you don't get it. It can't always be me. Read the scripture. See what he's up to. This has been Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. There's only one reason we do this program, to take the planet with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's our message and our mission. And you have a vital part of doing that along with us. If you've been encouraged by these talks with Richard, be sure to share with someone about the change they've made in your life. And we'd love to hear your story as to how the talks have made a difference to you. Give us a call. We'd love to talk with you. 855-6-RICHARD. You can also reach us through our website, richardellistalks.com. And while you're there, check out all the fun and informative pages we put together for you, richardellistalks.com. While you're there, be sure to click on the Contribute tab at the top to send your generous gift. If the program is making a difference to you, your gift will make a big difference to us. Until next time, thanks so much for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.